everybody. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 4 of Center Stand, produced by the Progressive International Motorcycle Shows and hosted at ContinueTheRide.com. Together, we're talking with three guests who have made it their life's work to bring more people into the power sports industry, into motorcycling, and they do it through awareness and education. We're diving right in. First time having three guests on the show. We want to welcome from the creators of Mimi and Moto, Nancy Gerloff and Mark Augustin, and John Eric Burleson, founding board member of the U.S. Motorcycle Coaching Association. Want to welcome all you guys. Welcome to the show. Pipe up so we can hear what you sound like. Hello there, everybody. This is Mark. Hey. Hey, this is Nancy. And this is John Eric. All right. Well, that that's our posse. Now you guys know what everybody sounds like. Uh, we're going to fire up with uh, Mark and Nancy and Mimi and Moto first. Um, I want to welcome you guys. Uh, you're quite the team. You built a business completely focused in on getting children interested in motorcycles. Uh, Nancy, can you share with our listeners about the this venture and sort of the inspiration behind your work? Yeah, sure. Um, it's kind of the inspiration for children and motorcycles came through Mark and I. We have a big passion for motorcycles and motorcycle riding. And then we had our daughter together in 2014. And since we had a kid in the house all of a sudden, our focus shifted a little bit. But we wanted to combine this passion for motorcycles and children. So we, we looked for books to inspire our daughter to be, uh, you know, on the lookout for motorcycles. And we showed her motorcycles around. So we looked for a book on Amazon. But the only children's books we really found were really outdated. The images were kind of old looking. And, you know, we wanted to create our own brand catering not only to um, this segment of children who are just, you know, learning how to walk like the one-year-old, two-year-old, but then also we built our um, brand around that as a start. But then the second book came around and we, uh, so to say, our daughter grew up and then also the book grew up a little bit and Mimi and Moto grew up a little bit. So the second book was um, more directed um, towards a little older audience. So the first book is for toddlers, uh, Mimi and Moto, uh, The Adventures of Mimi and Moto, The Motorcycle Monkeys, and it's, it's around these cute little characters. The second book is also with Mimi and Moto, uh, and they do uh, write the alphabet. So we thought it's a good idea to introduce children to, you know, a little light reading, as well as the world of motorcycles. So we have all these fun characters with uh, paired with motorcycle words, and it rhymes, and it's just fun to read for the parents as well. And then um, now we are expanding our uh, repertoire and we are in the middle of writing a storybook or a chapter book. It will um, be directed towards a little older audience still. So it will be maybe uh, six, seven, eight-year-olds. So yeah, we were excited from the beginning and we still are. And we started in 2016 um, and it has been, uh, it just has been a great journey for us. So Mark, um, on the Mimi and Moto front, um, the business is focused on welcoming kids into the industry. And um, and obviously we've gone through some big dips and changes in the industry. Um, how, has, uh, how has the work evolved and how has your audience evolved since you pu published the first book? 
you know, I, I think, uh, you know, certainly as Nancy said, you know, we we're inspired by our daughter to get into this at the same time too. I think we were really cognizant of where the industry was at back in, in 2016. I, you know, we were not necessarily following it, uh, probably the way you and, and John Eric have been for many years. But, you know, once we started kicking the idea around, we were uh, very aware that the industry just wanted to be doing a better job of getting more people interested in riding. Um, and, you know, that's where a, a lot of our motivation to do this was focused on trying to carve out a bit of a niche uh, of getting kids excited about motorcycles, but as early as possible. Uh, you know, once you plant those seeds in in kids' minds, you know, that is a, a kid's imagination is a very powerful thing. And if that idea can get in there early enough, um, you know, we certainly believe, and, and I'm a product of that too, where, you know, the idea of riding festered in my brain for a long time before I became a motorcycle rider. Um, you know, as far as the, the evolution of the industry, like I said, what was going on before, uh, we weren't necessarily paying attention to, uh, but we've certainly seen a, a growing focus on, increasing ridership, uh, you know, for the last four or five years as we've been paying attention to things. Well, I want to bring in our third guest here, John Eric Burleson. You're a founding member of the U.S. Motorcycle Coaching Association. And um, so this is where I get to like squish a whole bunch of acronyms. So this is fun. Uh, John Eric Burleson, also known as JEB, USMCA, how are you different from the AMA and the MIC, all the other acronyms out there? Tell us what USMCA does for the motorcycle community, please. Well, you know, it's other than adding another um, acronym to the mix, we try really hard to be a connector of all those things. Um, mm -hmm. When we first started thinking about what each, you know, member of the industry was doing, we recognized that there was a, a bit of a, gap between that first experience and really developing your ridership um, and i think of it funny enough i think of it as i think of coaching as a retention tool um, a lot of times the first motorcycle experience is with a friend um, a family member you know i like to say i grew up in michigan and ohio and it's grandpa's backyard type of thing and with a good coach we have the opportunity to extend the life i mean the guys at mic and msf uh, for more acronym soup, have a, a great uh, basic rider course. They have the dirt bike school. They have a lot of introductory programs. Uh, AMA, while they support ridership, they also have the racing component, and that's maybe more at the high end. And so co connecting all of that to say, whether you're a first-time rider, um, a returning rider, young rider, um, or somebody that's doing that's choosing to enter ridership later in their life, we want to be able to build a network of coaches that are available for you to um, take that uh, sport that you've been interested in and take it and develop it to something that you truly fall in love with and feel safe doing it and have a great time doing it and um, you know overall grow your the, the smile on your face through that experience on two wheels. So I've been to a couple of USMCA meetings and I was at one of the first ones. One of your focuses was sort of accrediting rider coaches to be safe around kids and in the same way that like a youth soccer league, um, you know, they're going to make sure that the coaches uh, understand, um, you know, responsibilities around children. Is that still a focus for you guys? Absolutely. Um, our, our two main, let's call them pillars, are certify and connect. Um, so the my original 
kind of why behind USMCA was very simple problem. I have four kids, um, love them dearly and wanted to teach them how to ride motorcycles. And as my business side of my life became more and more, you know, time consuming, I needed to, I needed help uh, to teach my kids how to ride. And at the time I was president of the KTM North America group should have a relatively clear access to coaches. I couldn't find them. Um, that was hard enough. And then when I did, convincing my wife that this particular coach um, versus another coach was a was a good uh, choice for us and our family I mean you're gonna leave you're gonna leave your kids with them for a couple hours in many in my case and knowing that they have done things like a background check and they've gone through some of the basic protocols around you know first aid and safety and um, understanding things like CPR just really understanding that the overall motorcycle industry we don't we don't always think of it this way, but our competitors are actually the soccer sports and the skiing and the uh, football and the hockey and all these leagues out there. So as we went down our journey, we recognized the need to certify the coaches, make sure that there's a minimum standard there, code of conduct that they have to adhere to. And ultimately then once that network is created or as that network grows and is created, then we start to offer the opportunity to connect them with riders. So you're speaking, Jeb, to a larger um, sort of the uh, the com- motorcycle industry and community coming together to, to collaborate. Um, Nancy and Mark, you guys have had some collaborations in the industry as well. And I think as much as sometimes we see OEMs as being really siloed and focused in on what they have to do to create a business. I think some of us who are on the periphery sometimes and not necessarily directly connected to an OEM wonder why they're not working together. Can you speak a little bit to uh, the collaborations that you've been able to put together, you know, through the Mimi and Moto program? Uh, Yeah, we've had, we've been blessed, uh, for the last four or five years and what we're doing, um, you know, I just made a little list here. I mean, Moto America was, uh, has been fantastic to us. Uh, since we got started, we did our first sort of big race booth with them in Atlanta, March of 2017. And one thing just kind of led to another, uh, in 2019, we were brought on to manage their kid zone for them. Um, you know, they've typically had a, a strider course at their races and, uh, we're looking to kind of step up that game a little bit more. So in 2019, we had the, the Strider course, we had the Stasic course, we had the Mimi and Moto booth and really tried to give families and children that were there a, a place to go to the, uh, the relationship with them. And, you know, Moto America is uh, obviously very much into families and kids. And when you go to those races and you see what's going on there and you see the people that are coming out, you can see why uh, they're doing that. So they've been really supportive of everything that we're doing. Um, Steve Gatowski at the AMA has been fantastic to us. He's a great guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, uh, you know, I would joke, we joke with each other that we're brothers from another mother. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so we've been doing advertising with them. They've given us a lot of good press. We're actually doing something right now where we're going to be joining their membership, uh, program and giving, uh, AMA members discounts at, uh, the Mimi and Moto website. Uh, but we're all, what we're going to do a little differently is all of those discounts, we're going to keep track of them and then donate them directly back to the AMA Hall of Fame. Uh, talking with Jason Baldwin over at Kenda Tires about trying to do some sort of uh, 
Kenda for Kids program, something to to get them a, a little bit more active in, in getting kids excited about motorcycles. Um, talking with Mike Alsek over at the Outdoor International Motorcycle Show is about getting involved with their Discover the Ride program. And I think the thing that we really uh, discovered at the AIM Expo in 2019 when we won the gas tank competition was that uh, we try to pitch ourselves and some people that we're talking to as a as a resource. You know, if you're doing something that involves families and kids and motorcycles, and we can help, we'd like to be involved. And that's really what we've been uh, trying to position the brand as for the last few years. Uh, we're doing something really cool uh, here in the not too distant future. Uh, we're from Atlanta. Uh, we know a couple of the guys in the uh, Blackberry Smoke Band, and mm -hmm. they're very involved with uh, Cure Childhood Cancer. They're motorcycle riders. So we're gonna be doing a program with them. Uh, where their fans are going to get a promo code at our website, MimiMoto.com, and we're going to donate that percentage back to the Cure organization. So, you know, for us, it's it's really just a matter of of connecting with cool people and uh, who, are, who are committed to the same thing, which is just getting more people interested in motorcycles. And obviously, you know, we're really obviously focused on getting uh, getting little kids excited about motorcycles. So, anything we can do to to work with some different people and affect that goal, uh, we're always interested in doing that. I think there's always room for our industry to do a better job of of promoting to kids and families. Um, Jeb, uh, you know, you you'd mentioned it before, but prior to to uh, co-founding USMCA, um, you represented essentially one OEM uh, that did have uh, or does have a uh, a kids line of motorcycles and was heavily involved in competitions. Um, uh, a lot would say that it was, uh, you know, uh, Southern California uh, focus in in some years past. But a lot of your work was side by side, shoulder to shoulder with other OEMs in particularly motocross, outdoor motocross, that kind of thing. Can you speak a little bit to how the industry as a whole is is tackling this issue of youth ridership are you seeing other oems step up their efforts um even if they don't necessarily have uh you know a kid's line of bikes in their in their setup yeah we've actually been really fortunate i mean covid for all its human and tragedy has created a really good opportunity for people to fall in love mm -hmm. with motorcycles yeah um and inside of the past six weeks um, obviously the ktm group uh, through their brands ktm and husqvarna have supported the usmca um, we've also had support now recently announced from uh, yamaha american honda and kawasaki and we really appreciate the fact that they recognize that gap in rider education and rider coaching that's out there so and, and to your point you know recognizing that it's a national issue not just a southern california issue Mm -hmm. So we've really been working together um, with each of them in their own initiatives. Uh, a couple of our staff visited um, the Honda Rider Education Center uh, that was based here in Southern California on Friday. Um, we also have a number of coaches actually all along um, from Florida up to New Jersey to Georgia. And we just recently also engaged um, a dealer in the Atlanta area, Mountain Motorsports, and we're focused on in those particular areas where the OEs and the and the ridership is appropriate. So in some cases, you might find more motocross focused in certain areas, and um, in some cases, it might be more trail riding, and in some cases, it might be more uh, sport bike riding. And so we're really 
focused on in 21, working with those different OEs, again, always about collaboration. Actually, we always say we want to be disruptive to the norm. We do not want to be destructive. So it's collaborate mm -hmm. something new and create those opportunities where the ridership um, and the, the OE's initiatives and the dealer initiatives kind of match to the coaching group that's in that area. So I'll ask this, um, the, you know, we all, we, we've, we've beat this nail on the head quite a bit, but uh, 2020 motorcycle sales were a surprise, um, you know, to some degree. Uh, it's cleared out a lot of inventory at dealers. So now if we start, you know, that, that boom started to show up in April, May, June. Um, so as we start to get prepared for the one year anniversary of that boom beginning, um, and these riders now facing, oh, I have to re-up my insurance. I've got to register my motorcycle again. I'm starting to get busy. I got to go back to work. And, you know, our job as an industry now is to retain as many people as it is to continue to try and draw new ones in. What I'd like to ask you is for our dealer base of listeners out there, tactically, what is it that a dealer can do with USMCA to both retain those riders who are maybe only one year into motorcycling and to like re-energize um, and continue to draw new riders? So what is at the dealer level, what is it that you guys are going to offer them? Well, the, the two very first pieces that I would um, put on the table would be one, if they have the opportunity to have a coach on staff, I think that's a wonderful step. Um, mm -hmm. I think it sends the right message to new riders that they have a USMCA coach on staff. Um, and many, many dealers throughout the, the country have an MSF rider coach on staff as well. And it's quite probable that that would be the right coach to have the dual certification. And also be in touch with the, the other coaches in your area. Um, one of the big things that when we tried to do the a dealer initiative about two years ago that we ran into was dealers didn't want to pass their customers on to coaches that they didn't know had passed any type of certification. They didn't know if they had any kind of insurance. And so we've solved that for them. Um, we've given not only the certification process, but we also offer a really nice insurance package, um, very cost effective, and it protects not only the coach, but also you know that exposure that comes from an uninsured coach that would then cascade out to potentially a dealer or something that can be covered with our insurance program. So one, have a coach on staff and two, know the other coaches in your area. Um, you know, I mentioned Mountain Motorsports just as an example as our one of our premier dealer partners and they actually have a pad on site where they're doing rider coaching. Um, if you've got that opportunity with the property, that's an incredible, it's just an incredible way to, to your word, to retain those customers mm -hmm. in the, you know, in most dealerships, I don't know if they have that big of a pad to be able to do that kind of work. So have a coach on staff and have, you know, your network of coaches in your area really available for those, those riders. And I think to, kind of to the last thought of that, the COVID bump was so incredibly unexpected and so fast. I think a lot of dealers were just doing everything they could to just keep their head above water and keep the keep the ship, you know, going forward. Right now is the opportunity, hopefully, to reach out to some of those customers that bought six, eight, ten months ago, and really bring them back into the dealership and support them. Um, I, I can't even imagine what it was like to run a dealership in the past year, but now going forward, now is the outreach time. I think I think that's an excellent point, and I wish that that was something that the entire industry would realize is that we can't take these new riders for granted. You know, when we work on the IMS outdoor season, um, 
Uh, a lot of times we're at ground zero for somebody's interest in motorcycling and um, taking them for granted is something that um, uh, that is felt by that customer. And I think that uh, taking the time for outreach to that new customer base and have, making sure that it's the right salesperson, not some, you know, super seasoned guy that's trying to sell them the $30,000 thing, but, you know, somebody who can speak that language. And I think, Jeb, to your point, having a USMCA certification as the industry ramps back up for sales season, particularly in the north, um, is probably one hell of a feather in your cap to get hired at that at that local dealership. Um, so uh, so that's definitely something who anybody who's looking to get into power sports should consider is putting that in your resume um, to make you that much more attractive uh, to the industry. Um, so, uh, Nancy, the, the books that, and merchandise, um, target young kids, um, and effectively also target their, their parents and families. Um, so how does the Mimi and Moto, like sort of the world of products, how, um, are you continuing to develop that interest and, and keep people, uh, in motorcycling, keep families riding together? So yes, we are focused on younger children. Uh, now we're building out um, more of an older audience in terms of uh, seven, eight, nine-year-olds for the chapter book series, which uh, is just starting. We are finishing, you know, as we speak, we're finishing the book. We are trying to put it on to uh, Kindle version first, mm -hmm. e-reader, but then we want to uh, eventually publish this year. Um, so from my personal experience, if I may share, uh, most of the uh, people are very excited about motorcycles. They have a very early uh, experience or a childhood memory, which they're fondly remembering. And one of my experiences was when my dad took my brother and I to a flat track race back in Germany, where I'm from. And I remember the sound and the smell of these crazy motorcyclists who would go around the track and just, uh, you know, it was just be so exciting for me as a little kid. And I would never forget. So I think if you create those uh, intense memories, uh, not through only through books, but what we do is merchandise and we plan also to do animation in the future. If you create any of these activities um, around motorcycles, uh, for example, going to a race, uh, you will have uh, future customers. This is this is how I think it works. Because for most people, if you ask them, they have a very um, clear idea when they got infected with a bug of motorcycles uh, in their lifetime. So I think uh, we will build this brand. It will still focus on kids. But I think what people forget is that you, you do always remember very fondly your childhood memories uh, when it comes to experiences. So I think this is one of the things we want to create uh, for kids. Indeed. Jeb, um, USMCA uh, has a uh, focus, uh, not really a focus, but very broad. You guys talk about uh, road racing, uh, off-road training is, is an obvious one. Um, as you may or may not know, I've been involved with the Strider All Kids Bike Program, and I, I strongly feel that the number one opportunity to positively affect every level of motorcycling within the next 10 years is the adoption of all kids bike programs into local area 
elementary schools. And with that, we effectively would train uh, every boy and girl, every uh, socioeconomic status and, um, uh, you know, regardless of where they come from, uh, sort of a passion on two wheels and create that community within a decade, without a doubt. So how is USMCA focusing on youth and in particular female ridership? You know, it's all about the right, the right coach. Um, mm -hmm. There are coaches that want to focus on the highest level of racing and they don't really enjoy new riders. And there's coaches that really enjoy new riders and don't really want to focus on racing. Um, you know, I myself have just seen so many different coaches out there that they they all have a speciality. And so that's really what USMCA needs to continue to do is to broaden our coaching network and ensure that there are coaches out there that want to specialize in all the areas. We have a lot of, um, just in the past few months, a lot of new uh, female rider coaches. And by bringing in a, a diverse coaching group that addresses a, a more diverse rider group, we have you know, accessibility and comfort. You know, I have a daughter, she's now 22, when she was younger, I, I don't think she was gonna wanna be coached by, you know, this hardcore male athlete that's, you know, wanting to do triples and doubles. She wanted sure. somebody that could associate with her. So having the coaches out there that focus on the different groups and it, through this whole journey, that's been my biggest learning is, you know, the coaches that we know and we hear of at, at the sport level or at the premier level, are great they're they're awesome ambassadors for the sport the really unsung heroes are the coaches out there that are coaching new riders um they're coaching fe the female ridership side of the of the industry they're coaching the young kids and they're from you know towns you've never heard of names you've never heard of but they're out there bringing in you know 75 100 new riders a year those are the coaches that are you know so inspiring to us and being able to just have them in our network um, is our biggest way that we can address all those new ridership group opportunities. So as USMCA looks at their sort of inventory of coaches out there, I want to set you up for an easy question here. Um, what are the uh, types of coaches that you want to see the most? I know you want all types, but if there is like one bucket that needs to be filled up a little bit more, what, what does that coach look like? What is their interest? Well, right now, I mean, you, you mentioned it earlier in the discussion. Right now, we have a huge influx of new riders, and majority of them are on small displacement trail bikes. If you mm -hmm. just look at the overall industry numbers, that was the single biggest winner in all of it. And so I, coaches that really want to spend the time to work with young riders, male, female, doesn't matter to me. Um, it's young riders that have come into the sport. Their parents have spent some time and money on them. They've had a year off of stick and ball sports. A coach that wants to work with them to really fall in love with the sport, uh, that's the ideal coach for us. And how and, would they How would they uh, reach out to you guys to become a USMCA certified coach? Uh, our website, usmca.org, is the easiest way to find us. You can find us on um, social media, Instagram and Facebook as well. And go to the website the everything's listed out there we also have our executive director who monitors the chat functions and mm -hmm. monitors the email um, and the contact information as well so reach out to us and even dm us on instagram or facebook and we're happy to uh, connect with you and get you in the funnel indeed so jeb uh oversaw ktm through significant growth in that brand and uh 
um, are in a in a position now to you know affect and uplift all of motorcycling. Motorcycling, Mark, um, you guys also have that passion for motorcycling, uh, and are and have made it a business, your life's business, right? Um, so it is possible in this world to uh, make money in motorcycling and to make a living in motorcycling um, without necessarily being a floor salesman at a dealership or you know a parts rep or something like that. Can you can you speak to your advice for other people who are interested in making a living in in power sports? Uh, do it. Do something. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I, you know, it's, uh, that's what Nancy and I did. And, you know, just looking at our own experience was, uh, find something that you're passionate about, uh, get motivated about it, give some thought to it, come up with a plan and start doing things. I mean, certainly Nancy and I, uh, had no clue, uh, what we were doing when we started, but you learn and you start doing things and you figure out pretty quickly what, uh, what works and, and what doesn't work. Um, you know, you have to do your homework and your research uh, and make sure you're getting into something that you feel there's a, there's a future there and you can build and grow on. And, and certainly that was a lot of the big motivation, you know, for us. It wasn't, yes, our daughter motivated us to do it, but we would not have tried it if we didn't think that there was uh, a legitimate place to sort of carve out our little niche. I, I think uh, too often times, you know, people spend, uh, what's the what's that saying? And that paralysis through analysis. Yes. Analysis about, paralysis. Yes, man. You, you think about things too long uh, mm -hmm. and, and, and you end up doing nothing. And that's about the last thing that, that we wanted to do. So I think uh, that was really, you know, just let's go, let's just try this. Let's see if we can figure out a way. I think one thing I want to kind of add in a little bit, what Jeb was saying and what Nancy had mentioned earlier, you know, we, we've, uh, and I think it's important for us because this actually sort of focuses on the, what we're writing for the center stand blog, uh, blog post is uh, we've been taught, we've talked to a lot of people over the last five years at that Mimi and Moto booth. And we've asked this very informal question. Um, you know, what got you into motorcycles? Uh, nothing from our standpoint, really just kind of curious what people would tell us. And we would say 80 to 90% of people when asked that question, will start by saying, well, when I was a kid mm -hmm. and, if you, if the industry really thinks about that anecdotal type of evidence and what it means for the industry, the vast majority, you know, I'm down here at Daytona bike week doing some work with Moto America, the vast majority of people who are down here, if you ask them that question, they will trace their inspiration. As Nancy had mentioned earlier, they're going to trace their inspiration for motorcycle riding back to a childhood experience or memory. And if, if that is even remotely accurate, that 80 to 90% of motorcycle riders are inspired by something from their childhood. I, I think that's, it kind of says everything the industry needs to know about where do you go get new riders? Where do you get the most new riders? And it really, uh, you know, Nancy and I obviously we're building a business built around it, but we are very convinced that it's all about the kids. It, you know, what Jeb is doing over there with, uh, with the coaching association. And it's actually, if you look at KTM, what you guys did there, you know, you guys didn't do that kid thing overnight. That was no. years. That's right. been years and years and years. And I think, I think, in, in, as Nancy and I've been writing this blog post, what we've kind of seen in the last, you know, going back to something you alluded to earlier, Robert, at the beginning about the industry, uh, and it is a hot topic, ridership, right? It's a hot topic. But you know something? It needs to stop being a hot topic. 
it just needs to be a, a permanent part of our industry of getting people interested in riding motorcycles. And mm-hmm. you have to, you know, if you're going to do it, uh, it's like digging for gold. You, you're going to go dig for gold where there's the most gold. And so, so Nancy and Mark, I, I want to speak a little bit to the mentorship you have received from the motorcycling industry. As you said, in 2016, you were relatively new in this thing, just had an idea as consumers and wanted to tackle something. So can you maybe uh, give a shout out to some of the people that have uh, helped you along the way so that our listeners can understand how they too can step up? I'll let, I'll let Nancy talk about Frank. Okay, um, I was already, I had a note uh, for myself. Uh, Frank Esposito, he was our mentor and he was um, a great uh, help for us to go through the MIC gas tank program, which we participated in and we were finalists and we won uh, the competition in 2019. Um, So that was a great experience. He walked us through a business plan. He made us write down numbers and you know, learn all those fancy words. Uh, I think he really has us sit down at the table and write down, what do you really want? What, what is the return on investment? What is, you know, what are you offering to somebody who would be interested in your business uh, model? So I think it helped us to formalize um, what we really want, where we want to go, and then also to realize um, where we need to focus our attention to and um, what we should do in the future. So it gave us a great backing for our um, activities in 2019. We thought we would like use this to, you know, really start off uh, strong in 2020. And then kind of a little bit, uh, it was taken aback because of the uh, the virus, um, a little setback for us. However, we used this time to, uh, you know, to really focus our attention on things which work, you know, opposed to things which do not work. So uh, we still are friends with Frank. Uh, Mark has since uh, ridden to uh, see him up uh, where he lives in Pennsylvania. And uh, we maintain our good relationship. He helps us with uh, business decision. And I think uh, this was a great uh, opportunity to meet him. Um, Indeed. Mark, do you I... want to add anything? Uh, I mean, you know, obviously, Frank Esposito uh, is a huge uh, influence on me and Nancy with regards to what we're doing today and, and how we're going forward. A- another person that uh, a name that I would uh, drop out there is a guy named Ethan Hung, uh, mm-hmm. who we've, uh, is just uh, just an amazing person, uh, knowledgeable, seems to know everybody, uh, has taught us uh, a lot about uh, about what we're doing, and, and from the standpoint of, of approaching it, you know, and just trying to do everything as professionally as possible, and, you know, going over the top and just doing things. Just do it right. And if you're going to do something, do it right. So Ethan, and, you know, he's uh, also very involved with the MSF uh, out there in Colorado. He has a daughter. Uh, you know, we speak the same language. He's a, a promoter at heart. You know, obviously had a, a big, long tenure with, uh, you know, the big kahuna races early in early 2000s. And, and so he's uh, he's been really great to us. And, and another, you know, from a mentor standpoint, somebody that we really look up to. So, Jeb, I know that in your professional career, you've seen many people come up through the ranks uh, and you yourself have been uh, in put yourself in the place of essentially, you know, uh, leading professional mentors. 
Um, as I turn uh, 54 this month and I've had my uh, three odd decades in power sports, I also see myself as having that chance to sort of elevate people in both professionally and, and motorcycling and, and just sort of the community. Would you speak a little bit to um, mentorship and how important that is to understand that sort of all of us have the opportunity to contribute to the, to the greater good through those efforts? Well, you know, my, my a philosophy I was taught when I was younger um, in my career was just always be giving more than you're taking from an industry that you work in. And even if that's 5149, you know, we take through paychecks and and benefits and all these different things. We're always taking out via our work, but we have an obligation to the future of our sport to be a bit more of a giver than a taker. And so with overall with that philosophy um I, you know i it's hard because i don't actually think of myself as a person that can pass on anything of advice you know it's like what what makes me worthy of that and right. i often find that we all have that kind of a little bit that that you know opportunity to share something that we don't even know by sharing it um that the impact it can have on people so you know, mentorship, I think, has a lot to do with just trying to give back to your sport in whatever way you can and recognizing that it may not always be the direct impact that you expected that has an uplift to somebody. It can be the the something you said in passing that you never even thought twice about um, that really shapes someone. And it could be like what Frank did for um, Mark and Nancy in a true um, mentorship role. It's just having the right mindset that we we try and be more givers than takers. And if somebody asks advice, give your best. And um, I've been a very fortunate person to have so many good mentors around me. Um, I feel a deep sense of obligation to give back to the industry because of how many people gave to me personally. Yeah. And you and I share one of those in Mark Blackwell, don't we? Yeah. He's been an executive coach, both paid and not paid. And even when I was paying him, I wasn't paying him enough because he's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's been a coach for me for decades and even just as a perfect example um my daughter just graduated from her undergraduate program wants to go back to graduate school and i said hey you know what it's not a motorcycling topic but you should call mark blackwell he has a lot um, a lot to say and to give you advice about and that he spent an hour with her and even though it wasn't a motorcycle topic it was mentorship that came from a motorcycle relationship mm -hmm. and so thinking about that mentorship and that my wife always says life takes a village and it's true raising a family takes a village you know get being successful in your career takes a village it, nobody does anything on their own and so recognizing also that our mentorship roles and our mentors are um, always bound hopefully by the two-wheel relationships that we have but they can be much more than that yeah i think that uh one thing i'd like to say to the whole community of motorcycling is we cannot take the community for granted uh that there is a uh, obligation on our part those of us who remember the analog old school i rode my z50 in the empty field across the street um, the times have changed, right? And nowadays, if you go and, and you pull out your whatever mini bike and go ride across the street, you're probably going to get visited by the local PD within, uh, you know, a couple minutes. So um, as times have changed, it's up to us to adapt and we can't lean on that old school sense of what motorcycling was. We have an opportunity to leverage the latest technology and 
and um, operations like the Mimi and Moto um, franchise um, to draw more people in. And then as they elevate up into motorcycling, that USMCA and the, the coaches that are certified to continue to develop riders for the whole industry. So we always end our podcast with one question, the same question we've asked every single guest on two seasons so far of Center Stand. Um, so I'm going to ask this question and I'll ask um, uh, Nancy and Mark to sort of answer together and then Jeb to follow up with that. But uh, if you guys had an opportunity to address the entire motorcycle OEM dealer network, sort of those of us who are in the business of motorcycling, and you were to say to them one quick piece of advice, what is it that you would wish to say to the entire world of motorcycling? Nancy, Mark? Uh, I'll take a quick stab at it. I, I think uh, do more, uh, I think would be our answer. Um, you know, if there is a feeling that uh, there's not enough kids getting interested in motorcycles, that there's not, uh, you know, uh, younger people gravitating in that direction, uh, it's because more needs to be done. You know, I, I don't, I think it's not that there's not necessarily lots of good ideas out there and whatnot. There just needs to be more people and more companies actually doing something. Um, you know, if you're a motorcycle company and you're not doing anything, uh, to help get more people or children interested in motorcycles, then why not? And, and would you consider doing something? I think that's, uh, I don't think Nancy and I claim to, to have uh, any of the, the answers, but we just decided to do something. And, and if there's just more people out there actually doing something, and if there's more, more Jebs and more KTMs, uh, you know, really pushing forward programs, uh, it doesn't really matter as long as it's just doing more. I think we want more. And, and to Jeb's point, you know, we hope Mimi and Moto can be a, a spark or a catalyst or, or a reason for people to, to think about it a little bit more. You know, uh, all, all good things that happen starts with the thought. And if we can be some way uh, participating in getting more of those, more people thinking about uh, getting kids excited about motorcycles, uh, we'd like to help. And, and I think that would be our message is we just need to do more and, and once we do more, we just keep doing it and staying on it. Jeb, I know you'd love to get every OEM manager in a headlock at one time and give them a piece of advice. What would it be? Well, that's evolved over time, I would have to admit. You know, when, you, when you're when you in that OE world, there's probably different advice. But right. where I am today, I would say remember to focus on teaching the love of the sport. And mm -hmm. the love of the sport, I don't mean racing. I mean the sport that we call the lifestyle of a motorcyclist and teaching that through the way that we behave, teaching that through good coaching, teaching that through the way that we conduct business. When you fall in love with the sport, everything else becomes so much easier. Um, I learned that along the way with all of, all of the coaching experience. If you're teaching somebody something that they already have a passion for, man, they, they absorb everything and they take it up like a sponge and it's just an, a wonderful relationship. So, Remember that this is a sport we love. It's something that we're passionate about and to teach that through everything we do. You know, there's so many rules and regulations out there that make our sport challenging to remember that it is, you know, there's tech and spec and when you're at a dealer floor, there's the transaction. And when you're doing the marketing, you know, there's all these metrics you're looking after and then the finance people come in and they want all these things. But remember that ultimately 
this is a very passion-driven sport. Um, it's something that we love. And when we, as an industry, just continue to focus on that love of the sport and teaching that and cascading that through, all the other stuff just gets that much easier. Well, ladies and gentlemen, motorcycle dealers out there, friends of Power Sports, you've got two websites to check out. This is your homework. Check out usmca.org and mimiandmoto.com. Those have been our guests. I want to uh, thank uh, Nancy and Mark very much from the Mimi and Moto franchise. Uh, John Eric Burleson, or Jeb, as he's known to all the Power Sports friends out there. Thank you guys very much for your time today. Uh, we certainly appreciate it here at Center Stand. Um, you can follow the International Motorcycle Shows Tour. We, of course, are firing up IMS Outdoors. Follow us on LinkedIn for sneak peeks to upcoming episodes and from for additional news from IMS. Uh, we're going to keep bringing new ideas and activations and uh, tactical ways to connect and support this amazing industry. Uh, next episode, we're going to be diving into um, even more issues that are germane to power sports. So please uh, keep listening to us. You can listen to Center Stand, the motorcycle industry podcast. Pick that up and subscribe wherever your podcasts are found. And if you have an idea for a show or if you'd like to give us some additional input, you can fire off an email to IMSPR at informa.com that's i-n-f-o-r-m-a.com and our upcoming e-newsletter is going to be coming to an inbox new year that is free and it features articles from this interview that are going to dive into our discussed topics uh, you can subscribe at continuetheride.com ladies and gentlemen thank you very much this has been center stand the motorcycle industry podcast and we will see you down the road mm -hmm.